The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gashing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. She's going to get out of you. So she's not asking blindly. She's, you know, asking for emotional support, knowing full well that you're capable of, you know, very this, little this limited range <laughs> yeah something like that i'll be making fun of her if anything yeah i mean that's probably supportive in to her i mean she is odd like that yep. yeah <laughs> there you go see she knows what she's expecting she knows what she's getting into she'll just complain about it <clears throat> yeah ammunition yeah there you go for your next fight You'll be, you're arming her with the weapons that she will use to dismantle you in the next time you guys have an argument. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is really what she's doing is she's setting you up for the long con. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should look forward as to what she's planning. I'm yeah. sure it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, um, it's been a couple of weeks. We had a show last week that aired, I assume, although, um, I, I, I saw it on my feed. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it came out, it came out on, um, on, uh, our RSS. Um, not a hundred percent sure it came out on, uh, G radio. Um, I should look that up. I should follow up with Jeff more often, but. Um, I haven't in a while. Um, it does look like we've had our time slot changed on G Radio. Oh, have we? Um, this could now be the eight o'clock hour instead of the seven o'clock hour. Okay. Um, not that that matters all that much, but it means it means the show, our RSS feed comes out at the same time as as the show. So, or as it broadcasts on G Radio. So, if you're listening to this on either one. Thank you very much, and welcome to 2018. Yeah, it is that year, isn't it? It is, it is that year. Yeah, yeah. You're still in vacation mode, I can tell, but... Well, I'm in the middle of it. In the middle of yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I get tomorrow, and then I have to go back. Mm. And it'll be slow, probably. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask, um, I did some Boxing Day... Um, shopping yeah uh actually in stores i didn't hit up a music store because i couldn't find at least online i couldn't find any deals worth worth checking out um for me uh but one of the things we noticed was how slow echoed on the news too how slow boxing day was compared to other boxing days in the past it was slower than normal we were i 
think we on the day of we did the same amount that we did last year okay so no growth yeah. at, at, at least no but that, that's been very weird compared to the rest of our year the okay. rest of our year has always had growth right and even the months leading up to boxing day like it, we were projecting that it was going to be an insane day and then it happened it was just where's the people right yeah, and, and and that seems to be that seems to be the trend is is more online shoppers, less less in store traffic. Um, yeah, maybe. But Long McQuaid's website even kind of encourages people to come to the store. Yeah, I I still I still believe that the Long and McQuaid, Long and McQuaid website is. Um, is a big reason why there's no growth. But it's the largest music store in Canada. I, yeah, I get that. Um, the website is the specific reason that I don't shop more at Long and McQuaid. Oh, I know. Yeah. The website's I, poor. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It hasn't been explained to me. I keep being told it's going to improve and then, oh. Websites are tough, man. Well, it's just the thing with what I hear from people higher up in the chain than me. It's just like, these things are happening. Right. And I'm sure they're working on them. It's just, it's usually like two years later, we finally get them by the time we've been told that they're coming. I, um, the studio website crashed on Friday. Um, tried to do a minor upgrade to the backend software and the whole thing just crashed. Um, and so been, it's been a scramble since, I don't know if it was Thursday night or maybe it was Friday night, but, um, it's been a scramble trying to get something rebuilt. Um, there was a database issue. Uh, there was a, um, a server issue that led to the new, the new upgrade, um, not being compatible <laughs> with the existing server software. Um, and so there was jumping back and forth between, between software versions of, uh, of what I was trying to upgrade. And it was just a, just a nightmare to the point where I ended up losing just about everything that was on the website. Um, now have, I think I have three pages rebuilt, uh, a temporary front page and then a, a page for the, the studio we're in and the studio downstairs. Hmm. Yeah, it's been uh, long and troublesome, tiring. Haven't gotten anything else done since that. Since that happened, that was frustrating. Sounds like it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, it was Saturday afternoon. I had to get in. I'm sure it was Saturday. Anyway, um, I had to get in and get um, some vocal comping. Uh, done for a project and um the band after recording let's say about 60 percent of the tracks they decided the song was too slow mm -hmm. so we had to speed it up uh and one of the side effects of that was i'd had two mics on the um on the guitar cabinet mm -hmm. had a uh it was a 421 and um uh, uh my sure ribbon mic uh, the 313? Right. Yeah. 
one of the side effects of of the um, of the time compression was uh, it put those out of phase slightly. Hmm. So you had like a course. Had this awful, ugly chorus effect between the two mics. And the tone that we'd been using, the tone that we'd been really happy with was a blend of the two. Individually, um, the client wasn't wasn't super happy with them, but the blend of the two was what he was really excited about. Anyway, so... um, Had to explain to him that you have to re-record it at the new tempo. Well, what I did was I had a um, a DI track. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I just reamped it. So he still kept his performance, which he was happy with, which had been heavily comped. Um, but he was he was really happy with with the performance uh, of the guitar. So I used it as an opportunity to test out the new um, John Cudaberti uh, reamp box, mm-hmm. like fifteen years old or something. I'm sure, but um, or older. But it um, it was not connecting properly and after about an hour of trying to figure out how to open the damn thing because it's it's got a got a funky screw set um two pinholes on the screw head instead of instead of like a screwdriver normal screw head right right um after finally getting it open and pulling the damn thing apart i realized that the transformer inside half of the leads had been sheared off. Jeez. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those surface mount surface mount ones. Um, and it looked, it looks like it had been, um, it had been modified. Someone had, someone had wrapped some, um, some, uh, those plastic zap straps around it to try to squeeze it to the circuit board. That looks like it was, the, the fix anyway so they're they're sheared right off it's um not repairable because it's surface mount um uh it's a surface mount transformer so i'm gonna have to replace it which is really shitty because that transformer was was supposedly the the whole sound of that box right hmm. so now i gotta i gotta call around and see if a, you can find another one find a replacement for it yeah which is a pain in the butt um, it did sound really nice. I I found that if if I with my fingers if I squeezed it to the um, PCB board mm-hmm. to the PCB, uh, it would connect fine, and it sounded really good. Um, I was comparing it to the um, to the radi- radial passive, um, the blue box. Yeah, I saw um, reamp box, but it sounded really good. I just didn't want to sit there for for the entire time holding it to to reamp yeah yeah hmm yeah now of course this is the <coughs> I have to leave this wide open because um the guitar uh the guitar player had used um a vox amp and a i think he used a black star um pedal uh to to create his distortion. It was a one of those Black Star um pedals with a tube in it. So Okay. So it was actually it was actually a tube tube drive going into the going into the Vox. Um and I I mean I'm never really fond of this guy's tone. It it changes all the time. So it's okay. a mo- moving target. Um 
he's never got he's never got any fixed tone it's just loud and ugly sounding or clean right and his loud and ugly sounding changes dramatically whenever he feels like it anyway so i had to reamp um using the marshall head into my marshall cabinet um, which on its own sounds nice mm-hmm. but needed some sort of needed some sort of um high, um higher gain distortion and so i ran um I ended up liking, excuse me, I ended up liking the um, Blackstar LT drive. Um, I, I I was playing back, goodness me, excuse me, hiccups. I was playing back and forth between uh, the LT drive, um, an OCD, and uh, a Bogner Burnley. Okay. Which has got the Rupert Neve transformer in it. Yeah. Um, I was playing back and forth between them and the the LT drive had the nicest the nicest low end um, of the three on this particular on this particular track. Hmm. So I ended up using that. I haven't sent it to him yet. Um, I don't know if he's going to be happy with it. We might end up reamping it again through his pedals, but we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Um, yeah, so that was, that was, uh, took me an hour to pull this thing apart and figure out what the problem was. Hmm. Yeah. Which is disappointing because, that was the that was my Christmas gift to myself this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Um, you get any uh, any audio related um, gifts over the holidays? Mm. Did you gift yourself anything? No. Mm. Nothing, eh? No. Not that I could think of. Nothing has caught my eye. With the exception of the Aston microphones, like I'd like to get some the, starlights. The starlights, yeah. 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 Do you? Um, are you done paying off the uh, the spirits? The spirits? No. Only owe like two hundred bucks though. Cool. So you might have them soon and start trying them out. Well, That'll be your reason to start recording again. Well, I've, I, I we rent them now, so I just. Oh really. I do get to try them out every now and again through like uh, just a passive system. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. And I mean, I did play with them that one day when I was comparing them to your U87. Yeah. Yeah, but that was that's almost two years ago now. Was that almost two years ago? Yeah. Mm. Take a look at the Dropbox downstairs. They're still sitting in the Dropbox, but mm. but yeah, that was um, that was almost two years ago. Hmm. That was before we took this podcast to weekly. We were still, you know, every every three to six weeks <laughs> per episode. Were we? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought we were weekly by then. We started weekly in September 2016. Hmm. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. I believe you. Uh, you know what? I'm wrong half the time, so it'd be reasonable to think that I'm wrong about this. When did we start the podcast? Like 2015 then? August 2015, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> we did something like um, like 15 or 18 episodes. Oh, we must have done more than that. Well, we were doing like we're... an episode a month for... 
Yeah, I guess the last half, bit. the first half of 2016, the first half of 2016, we were, and then we had to step it up when we joined the G radio team. Right. Yeah. And we were also looking at like ways to make the editing process a lot quicker. Mm. We determined that don't bother with editing, just... Just do it live. Yeah. Get better at talking. Yeah. <laughs> I had a um, had an interesting conversation with um, a new podcast that we're that we're doing some work with. Um, hasn't been released yet. We'll come out end of January ish, I think, the first episode. But um, she, uh, the host, is mm-hmm. a girl that has never done audio before, but is is teaching herself audio editing, teaching herself recording all this kind of stuff just to do podcasts. Okay. Cause she's, she's found her passion. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and so she's been, I don't know, every three or four days I get an email from her asking about questions. She's doing interesting, um, case study. She's doing everything in audacity. Okay. Yeah. Where it works fine. Right. Yeah. As um, long as you, you get what you need out of it. No inline plugins. Everything is offline processing, hmm. which is, which was the first weird thing I had to wrap my brain around. But, um, but she, um, she discovered this interesting thing that for her helps make her edits sound more natural. She will steal a breath from somewhere else, mm-hmm. drop it in on the edit. And she says, it instantly feels natural. Okay. I was super skeptical myself, but she's, um, she's convinced that it is. And when it, when the, the first episode comes out January, February here, um, I'm going to be sure to listen and, uh, and, and see if I can tell. Cause that sounds like something that I would like probably halfway, if it was an hour long podcast, halfway through, I would probably start to recognize like, that same breath keeps coming up. I don't know how often she does it. I mean, what, what she, what she's doing is she's recording interviews. Then, um, that interview is basically her podcast mm-hmm. for that, for that, that, for that episode. Um, and she's just cutting out the fat. Like she's just doing reduction editing. Okay. Um, she's cutting not doing parts that yeah. don't matter. Right. I used to do that. Right. But it's a pain. <laughs> yeah, she edited. Um, I because she needed she needed a test subject anyway. I ended up being the first guest that she that she recorded. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to be the first guest of, the, of of her of her launch episode. But um, she uh, we talked for just about an hour, and she said that she edited it down to about 38, 40 minutes, something like that. Um, yeah, I can't imagine that I had. 38 minutes worth of useful conversation to keep, but she said she couldn't cut anymore. So anyway, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited about that. Well, I would always make like two hours of conversation with you, like 45 minutes to an hour. Really? Yeah. Those first episodes, were they that short? I didn't think they were that short. Uh, sometimes they were longer, but the goal was to be around that one hour mark. Right. Sometimes it was like an hour 20. Sometimes it was only like 45 minutes. Huh. Interesting. Depending on how much dead air there was. 
back then because there was a lot a of that. lot of dead air right yeah. yeah that's all good um okay i had uh i made a couple of i listened to um listened to bobby asinski's podcast last week mm-hmm. um and he did his kind of wrap up of 2017 and projections for 2018 and there were a couple of things I wanted to I wanted to throw at you. Have, have you had a chance to listen to it? No, no. Um, I usually only listen to the first five minutes anyway, because I like hearing the news part of his show. Right, and 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 this is a twenty five minute episode of just that. Ah, he should do that. I know, right? More often, just um, like if it was twenty five minutes of him just talking about what's going on in the music biz, I probably listen to more of it. Yeah, his his interviews, they're okay. But if they're if, not, if the you're really interested I'm, in listening to that person, right? Yeah. yeah. If it, yeah. If it's uh, Andrew Sheps, for example, I'd probably listen to it just because Sheps is a genius. And I, I really enjoyed the, I really enjoyed the Paul White episode um, where he talked about uh, how he was part of API at the beginning and and how he developed like the 500 series lunchbox. Yeah. Um, well, he, he gets kind of some right? very interesting people for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so this is, I don't know, I have five points here that, uh, that come directly from, um, from his podcast that are all stuff we've kind of talked about over the year or, well, I guess over the last year, mm-hmm. but I wanted to, I wanted to hit them with, hit you with them and, and, and see your response. So one of the things, one of the first things he pointed out with, uh, a trend that he'd noticed in 2017 was that song intros are pretty much disappearing nowadays. Um, now he cited some he cited some studies that um, that streaming listeners will give a song about four seconds before they skip. Sounds about right, right? And so he he says what he's seeing is is the intros are pretty much disappearing, and the vocals are coming in almost as soon as possible. Um, to to take advantage of those four seconds, right? Uh, yeah, I, I could see like a lot of the the guys who look at statistics like that and write their songs to according to statistics, doing I mean, exactly that, that. That was the that was one of my big beefs when with, with Nickelback and their and their quote unquote formula of ten seconds, right? Yeah. And and I mean to hear to hear that it's gone down to four is just mind blowing. I spent the I spent the last so I did most of my most of my web coding for the crashed website mm-hmm. at home. And we'd um last week we'd made we'd made a big big you know, furniture move change so that I could get the record player back out because it was kind of buried by the dog's by the dog's um cage. Cage, pen, something. Okay. And uh, so I got the record player back out. So I spent the weekend listening to a bunch of records, uh-huh. which is fantastic. But there's there's three records in my entire collection of maybe seventy that that are newer than nineteen eighty eight. And so everything is everything is like seventies. I got one from the fifties, um, a lot of eighties, and we listen listen to a whole bunch and. It was super rare, just super rare, that an intro would be shorter than, you know, 
20, 30 seconds. There was a bunch of this stuff that I really enjoyed where the intros were a minute and a half, you know, before a vocal would come in. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's just, even I, I listened to, um, and, and really enjoyed, I listened to uh, Lionel Richie's um, biggest album from the 80s. I can't remember the album title. Um, but uh, even that had a bunch of songs that that um, had longer intros, you know, something to get people dancing to before this before he would start singing. So I'm I'm if I've been this... listening to older stuff myself too, and the songwriting's just better. I'm finding mm-hmm. like even the musicianship and stuff. Like the, the, I don't know. The songs are just all, all around better from previous generations than currently. Currently, it's all the same thing. Well, that's that's part of the that that's part of this pop music formula, right? Yeah, is it? it it's so easy to well, it's so easy to write to the formula. I, I can hear twenty seventeen pretty quickly, <laughs> pretty clearly. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's trap hats and eight oh eights. Although I, I listened to um, one of the records I listened to was the audiophile version of um, of the police's Zenyatta Mondata. Mm-hmm. I think that was the one. And for some reason, for some reason, I have the audiophile version, which is supposed to be like that, like the super hi-fi version. Yeah. One thing that it does that um, that I really don't enjoy is the hi hats. The hi hats are just blowing my head off. Like it's so loud, and I know, like Stuart Copeland, that's like he's the master hi hat modern guy, but... thing that's been going on that's been driving me nuts. It's really weird because I usually like hearing the hi hat or even just the cymbals in general, but modern music, it's just like constant hi hat, and of course, it's hi hat at like sixteenth notes, yeah, and like no very quantized, yeah. like just machine gun yeah exactly annoying well and 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 i think that's i think that's the biggest thing that the biggest thing that defines 2017 is i mean you and i were talking last year or earlier about about how we hope that real musicians start playing on records again um but it's really gone the other way it's uh i don't know i've been reading articles and stuff uh, like Bono from U2 thinks that there is a rock and roll revolution building. That <laughs> and that, that's how he describes it. I don't know, man. But when like you actually go into like his explanation of what he actually means when he says that, it's like there is a revolution where people are going to dislike the the computer generated music that's like hitting the charts right now. And it's going to go back to bands and stuff. And I, I kind of see that in the, the underground scene right mm-hmm. now. It's like, it is a lot of focus on like musicianship and stuff. So maybe that will hit the forefront. That'd be super cool if it was true. I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of hope. Um, I, it's going to come soon though. No, I don't think it's going to be in the next couple of years. Mm. It'd probably be like five years from now okay. is when it'll start. I, I would, personally bet yeah that's fair but bono is saying like there is 
a revolution building it like it's an inevitable because music is getting stagnant right now and every time it does something happens one of the stats that um that i took from bobby osinski thing uh, that podcast was was he was saying that guitar sales were down significantly they are down significantly but ukulele sales are like <laughs> stupid well, high and, and and so so he, he followed that up with 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 two things one was the majority of guitars that, be, that are being sold now at least across north america were to women and they were acoustic guitars uh acoustic guitars are pretty popular electric guitars aren't they're being sold, sure, uh, but I probably, yeah, I think acoustic guitars is probably slightly up. Well, and, and, and another stat that he threw out was um, only one in 10 guitars that are sold are going to someone who has the intention of starting a band. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Considering I work in music retail and right. like I'd say probably 99% that's probably I let's say 97 98% are of people are just you know I'm buying an instrument to play to have fun with if or, that okay sometimes it's just a piece of art wall art <laughs> there are guys who buy like $10,000 guitars from us and right never play it it's just on their wall mind um, you if i paid ten thousand dollars for a guitar i'd probably never play it either <laughs> but i wouldn't ever buy a ten thousand dollar guitar because i can't I, I would never want to play it i i played just before christmas i picked up and played a um seven thousand dollar taylor and it was it was amazing Oh yeah, it was. They always play really well when they're that expensive. It played really well, but it also had this darker tone, like the like like the the wood itself. Mm -hmm. you just tap on it, and it had this had this darkness and 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 warmth to it. Um, and then I, I picked it up and I played, and it had that same that same tone, that same character that really pleasantly came through. Oh, yeah. Um and and I think if I had if I had $7,000 of room on my credit card I probably would have bought it. <laughs> but I was talking to Sam this was over at um St. John's Music and I was talking to Sam and he he agreed with me that it was really nice but he said Taylor's like a lot of coastal made guitars have a lot of problems with cracking in um in our dry climate here. Uh yep. Taylors and Martins have that that issue here in Alberta. Okay, Gibsons don't. Um, Gibsons probably do too, but people make a bigger stink out of their Taylor and Martin because they usually spend more for those guitars than okay. they do for a Gibson. Sure. Like uh, I don't know, a J forty five would only cost you like twenty five hundred, whereas some Taylors people are paying five grand and playing them right. on a pretty regular basis. Fair enough. I had a, um, I wish I could remember the name of it, but I, I had a classical guitar, um, made by a Spanish luthier that, um, only paid a thousand bucks for mm -hmm. easily. One of the nicest guitars I've ever played, get it back to the studio here. And, um, a drummer that was here doing some session work, wanted to, wanted to see it like, Hey, cool, excited new guitar. 
So he picks it up and he starts playing and he, he, he starts doing the inspecting thing, you know, looking down the neck, looking mm-hmm. at, the, at the bridge, flips it over. I didn't notice this at all. Huge crack down the back. Um, so my heart sank. And then upon further inspection, there was already two other repaired cracks on the back. Um, and so I, I ended up taking it back, but I absolutely miss it because it was it was a fantastic it played so nice it sounded so warm and detailed and sometimes those cracks aren't too bad i kind of wish i'd i kind of wish i just lived with it got them fixed of course but um lived with it and and and, and kept it yeah yeah because it was it was such a nice guitar the classical i have now um i'm not as big a fan it it's got a lacquer finish. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a fan of lacquer finishes on guitars. Well, natural finishes are tend to be better. They tend but, to be warmer and smoother and less but aggressive. But people like the the look that lacquer gives. I actually don't. Yeah, yeah no, but you, yeah, the I, general I, public does. You're, you're right. I'm odd. <laughs> um, and no, it, it, like picky guitar players tend to not tend to like, not like the lacquer finishes yeah but it's the the people who are not playing seriously or on a professional level that you know they care more about what color it is or right things like that yeah which is a, th- a thing i have a hard time understanding when it comes to my own purchases because i don't give a shit what it color it is here's a question for you yeah i'm as a very amateur guitar player i don't know a lot of the difference between like country of origin of a guitar you know i i know a lot of people talk about american made versus foreign made right but um as far as guitars go but some foreign made are better than american made so i've been looking i've been looking at a telecaster okay with a bigsby Okay. Over at St. John's. What? I know. I know. It's, it's, I played it the same day that I played that Taylor. No, it just hurts really, my brain. A, a Tele really with it. a Bigsby is. In a bad way? Well, it's just like that, that's not. I know. That was, that was one of the reasons why it caught my attention. Um, I've, I've wanted a Bigsby um, for a guitar for ages and I've never had well, a Well, Bigsby is great. It's just on a Telecaster. Like that seems. Seems odd. odd. Um, Made in Japan. Okay. Japanese are always great. They're great guitars. Okay. Um, so I, what, what, I, what I'm thinking is I have, I have one electric guitar that I know I, I just really don't play. Um, I don't pull it out to, to, to play much at all. Um, and so I was thinking that I'm going to take that in and see how much I can get for a trade for it. And then I might, I might actually grab that telly because I've wanted a telly. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like tellies, but they have a great they have place a tone to them, in, and they are their own beast, right? And I've wanted nothing and I've that wanted sounds Bigsby. like Bigsby. Those are two tools that I have always felt that, but together, I would. Well, exactly. That it's it's like two in one. And I don't imagine I don't imagine the Bigsby is going to affect the telly tone all that much, and the telly tone is a is a really great complementary tone to so many things that having having that having that tremolo in it is just going to be fantastic maybe be interesting that'd be a fun guitar to play i think mm. yeah so i i'm i'm um 
that's one of the things I'm 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 gonna do this week. I'm gonna go down and talk to uh, talk to Al at St. John's, and, um, assuming they still have it, but they've had it for a while, so. so. I, I expect they expect. I can see that moving slowly because people who want a Telecaster don't. Probably don't want a Bigsby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be, yeah, I would speculate that's the case. Yeah. That they haven't sold it because it has a Bigsby. Right. So probably still haven't sold it because of the same thing. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Goodness me. It's Horrible. just like my Gibson. Like people don't want a Les Paul with a Floyd Rose. Yeah, that is a, that is an odd one. I'm not a fan of Floyd Roses because I, I rest my hand on the bridge so much. You can still rest your hand on the bridge. You just have to rest it on the pivot, which is, which on the Les Paul, I like on a proper um, Floyd Rose, that's like where you usually should have your palm muting going on anyway. On the pivot. Yeah. Okay. Or like, I don't know. It's where I, I would rest even on a TOM bridge mm. where I'd rest my hand on the bridge. Okay. But Floyd Rose. And then you have the weird swinging arm that I never use. But <laughs> they're, they're fun. I enjoy the fact that they stay in tune um, oh, better than anything else. That's fair. For, well... I haven't tried an Evertone bridge. Which one is the Evertone? I've heard, I've heard about it, but I don't. It is. Is that the is it, is is that the one that it's a newer has the style tuning, tuning robot in it? No, no. The, those are a thing that Gibson tried to do and lost a lot of money on because customers didn't like them, and so they had to offer um, to replace the those automatic tuners with actual tuners. I had one in here. The, uh, the guitar player for Tagera um, had one. Josh was his name, I think. Um, he had one. And uh, aside from the fact that it was super weird when he would turn it on and then they would do its thing, like yeah. it sounded super weird. But, but the stupid thing is, is you can't tune it yourself. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Or like you can, but like it, it is very tedious because you have to go in the actual automatic tuner thing to allow you to actually tune it and sometimes like the things just lock themselves so you can't turn them mm. uh there's issues where they turn the wrong way sometimes like there's nothing but problems with those automatic tuning interesting uh. it, they're dumb <laughs> i thought they were dumb when they were announced i was like well you know what interesting idea but it'd be stupid to put that on all of your guitars Oh, and then 2015. They put it on all their guitars? Yeah, Gibson put it on all their guitars and what lost a lot of money because of it. Like okay. That's part of why they're in such, such trouble, trouble right, right now. now. They lost a lot of money because they had to pay for customers to have those stupid automatic tuners right. replaced with actual tuners. That's super weird. To this, like, all of 2000... I think it's 2015. It was just nothing but those. Mm. 2016 and 2017, they don't have those. And like people come in and like, does this Gibson have those stupid tuners? And I was like, no, it doesn't. Gibson's not doing that. They're dropping those tuners. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it was a cool idea that they put on like their high end products. Yeah. And then put on all their products and lost a lot of money. 
Let me throw let me throw a um, an, another interesting question at you, guitar wise. Okay, um, I've I have a really nice like generic sounding acoustic guitar. Yeah, and I've always wanted something that's a little nicer, something that people would actually want to pick up and play. Sure. Is there a guitar, uh, like a one guitar in mind that that if you had to make that choice, what would it be? Uh, Simon and Patrick, if you're on a budget, okay, because you can buy a three or four hundred dollar guitar from them, and it will sound like it's thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. Really? Yeah, I would say it also plays like a thousand dollar guitar. Okay. It won't play like a fifteen hundred or two thousand dollar Taylor or anything, because those things are just amazing and they're they sound all pretty good if you're looking for like that more airy at least i i every taylor 314 i think i've played yeah they kind of have a more airy feel airy tone to them sure uh, kind of mellow maybe right um j45 is nice for warmth i guess or like a really midi yeah that's, sound. that's always been the J45 has always been my kind of my benchmark um, for for I guess what I'm looking for yeah J45 is a good like all all rounder if you're just wanting something is it kind of like the U87 in microphones like it's it's really good at, a, at so many things I would say it's a master of none but like kind of yeah. a jack of all Okay. Trades for guitar, whereas like your tailors are kind of your more pretty sounding guitars. Um, Simon and Patrick is kind of like your your J forty fives in okay. a sense. Like they're a good all rounder, uh, but they probably lean more on the the prettier sounding side sure. of things. Uh can't think of anything else. I haven't really played all that much for Martins. Mm. I've only played a couple myself. My experience with Martins is they're kind of that prettier sounding guitar too. Gotcha. Um, you have any experience with Tax? No. Tax means I've played a I've played a couple and I've had a handful through the studio and they always have this slightly plastic feel. Mm. Um, played some Godins. Mm. Yeah. They're all like the weirdo ones. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like have like weird sound holes or like. Oh sure. They're weirdly not as deep as most acoustic guitars, so right. it just feels weird to me. Then I've also played some other guitars that are like big giant metal plate, <laughs> or like all steel are, acoustic are those, guitars. Are those those like are weird resonator guitars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 have their own sound for sure. Mm -hmm. They're heavy as balls. Yeah, right. Like people complain about Les Paul, but those things are nuts. Yeah, they're they're metal. Um, I even played a carbon fiber acoustic guitar. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I had one in here. Definitely doesn't sound like wood. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know how to describe carbon fiber um, acoustic guitar. I've heard carbon fiber uh, cellos and upright basses, and they kind of do the job. 
Yeah, they're almost like it, that would. That's a really great touring or gigging option, uh-huh. right? Because I mean, the carbon fiber isn't gonna isn't gonna flex in the um, in the weather. Yeah, right. Humidity changes or traveling, whatever, right? That's the thing that you have to worry less about, but you have to pay more up front. Yeah. So, it, yeah, for the touring musician, uh, carbon fiber is great. Yeah. Although, if you're in a symphony, they don't, they won't let you. I'm not surprised. Um, being slightly more elitist, yeah, to get into a symphony anyway. Um, you know, you have to have a nice instrument, and I'm on top of being capable <laughs> well yeah you, you have know, to be capable and then generally if you get into that kind of position you have a tenure because a lot true. of those people like they are playing in their symphony until they're on their deathbed yeah yeah and yeah there is definitely that elitist with uh, your classical music where it's just like, it has to be pure. It has to be wood instruments. It has to be like it was like 2000 years ago or wherever. Uh, probably not that long ago, but 200, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even 500. No, no, I, 500 years ago, you're getting into the Baroque era, isn't it? I'll see let, let's not dive down into classical. I don't, classical. Know. I don't yeah. know classical that well. Um, yeah, regardless. So, right. Um, but carbon fiber is interesting. I'm definitely interested in like what the, some new luthiers are doing where they're taking or they're making extended range instruments like your eight or nine string guitars or even 10 string guitars because you need to go that low apparently uh, <laughs> isn't it lower and higher not with guitar really it just keeps going lower it's going lower whereas so the, with bass uh five strings is the only time it goes lower and then after that it just goes higher hmm. so like a seven string yeah, goes go even higher than a c yeah yeah, you definitely don't need to go higher or lower than a B, but people do. Yeah, that that almost that almost gets into um that's like baritone guitars instead of Well, they're going into uh like the first octave on the piano and like at that point it's just <laughs> Yeah, right. What's what's the point where your fundamental is like 30 hertz or whatever. It's just most of that information's useless. In re- yeah, well, unless you're actually in a recording setting, sitting, anyway. standing in front of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had a uh, I'm, I'm I'm racking my brain trying to think of the the brand name, but had a client in here that had him and him and his guitar player, the two guys in the band, both had a guitar from this maker out in BC that was supposed to be a. They described it as a cross between um, a Martin and a Taylor, um, but it sounded better than than either of their Martins or their Taylors. Okay, it was just really nice sounding. I I just jumped on the website on, on the um, on the uh, Lung McQuaid website to see if if uh, I'd see the brand name, but I don't see it here. 
Um, Probably won't be on the website unless it's a company we deal with. You, well, yeah, that's uh, this thing I just don't know, right? Um, let's Which see at if, this point, like, what doesn't Long McQuaid deal with? Right? We keep buying, uh, uh, what are they, uh, distribution centers. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was in uh, Giovanni yeah. a couple weeks ago, and they had a whole bunch of Yorkville stuff. Um, well, Yorkville is actually pretty popular. One of their, well, it, it, one of their, one of their primary dealers is is Yorkville. So then I had to ask him, well, did you guys get bought out by Long and McQuaid? Did you get bought out by Yorkville? <laughs> no, it's no. just Yorkville owns all the distribution mm-hmm. in Canada for the most part. Yeah, and so it just like even if you go with HHB or whatever that distribution center is called that deals with SSL and stuff like that's owned by Yorkville now. Right. And so it just, it makes sense that Yorkville would be like, Hey, here's our mid range product. You should sell this and we'll give you a deal. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good business to have their products everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they're not being sold by their own stores, it's uh, well. That's how they look at it. It's just like if a store exists in a town that sells our stuff, we're not going to open a Long McQuaid there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Leave uh, the market open for our partner, and then when he does build a relationship, and then when they decide that they want to sell their store, they'll probably sell to Long McQuaid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, basically their expansion uh, model right there is just buy out the companies that already buy our stuff. <laughs> What's going on here? I just jumped on Kijiji to take a look at uh, at um, to take a look at stuff and uh, it's all messed up. Yeah. Um, I want to get myself a six-string bass. That'd be fun. One high, one low? Yep. I was going to get a seven, but they stopped making it. Or uh, the, uh, Ibanez stopped making a seven-string. Really? Yeah, because it wasn't selling well. Which, I mean, why would it sell well? <laughs> it's a yeah. seven-string bass. Well, I mean... You don't need an F-sharp. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I that's see. going high. Like you're you're yeah. venturing into guitar land. Yeah. Hell, you're venturing into guitar land with the C. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, it's a C above. Because they don't do it with the B; they do it with the C. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It would be a fifth. So yeah, it would be C. Yeah. And that would be like an F. Intentionally designed to screw up guitar players. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but <laughs> I understand it. It makes more sense. Get the way guitar is tuned, it doesn't make any sense. At least with that well, B. That B just throws it all off. It's all fifths except for that B. But it's designed for hand positioning. That's oh, I know. That's what it's there for, right? But when you're playing bass, like hand positioning is what note is easier to go to next. <laughs> So right. all fifths makes more sense. Not when you're courting, though. 
Yeah. Oh, I know. And, and I understand that that's yeah. why guitars are tuned the way they are because right. that, that B, it makes chords easier. Yeah. Yeah. I am. One of my, one of my new year's resolutions is to play more just to pick up a guitar, pick up a piano, well, not pick up a piano, sit down at a piano, play more. Um, so I'm going to spend a lot of, a lot of time trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually taking, um, I'm taking some instruments home from the studio. A lot of stuff doesn't get used all that much here. Right. Right. So I'm taking stuff home. Um, gave the wife a, uh, a guitar for Christmas, um, which I didn't realize she wanted one quite as much as she does. Um, uh, so I'm going to teach her to play guitar too. Um, Huh? Yeah. And now I just need to figure out. I, I need to figure out how to get a get a piano at home, so I have something there to play all the time. Just grab your RD three hundred or whatever. But then I'd have to haul it back and forth, right? I want to find something that I can just leave there and, well, and forget about. You were hauling it up and down stairs every time you needed it. Yeah, but that's that's not that's not out into the vehicle, out of the vehicle through the parking garage door, into the elevator up the elevator, down a long hallway, into the apartment, onto the thing, and then all the way back. There's <laughs> a little difference between up and down these stairs here. <laughs> oh, no, it's terrifying going up and down these stairs with that keyboard. That thing's heavy. Which is why we leave it downstairs now. In fact, I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out a way to have it permanently set up in the control room. Um, I, think I've, I think I've figured out the where. I just need to make it happen. Okay. Yeah. Um, also sent out uh, an, inqu in, an inquiry email to GIK Acoustics. GIK okay. Acoustics. Um, still looking to trap down, track down some of the some of the peaks and nulls in the, the control room downstairs. Um, I got a response. Maybe we'll go into that next week. But um, which so, I had, it, it was a lot of detail a lot of analysis of the room, um, which, uh, which I, I, I still need to process and figure out people who know the math and are actually telling you where the problems lie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things they suggested was I may need a lot more diffusion and less absorption, but they're also really concerned that I can't put bass traps where the door is. So, Lots of things to figure out anyway. Oh, so that door is causing problems? They, yeah. Well, we knew that anyway. The doorway. Um, it, it is in a bad spot. It, yeah, it's, it's in a terrible spot. But it, it kind of is what it is, right? And low end isn't the issue with that room. Low, is, low end is an issue, but it's not the issue with that room. The low end down there is pretty is pretty flat. See your mids that you're having issues with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even, yeah. You know what? We'll spend next week talking about talking about acoustics. Okay. Not not this week because we we're only we're running out of time here. Only four minutes left. So, um, what are your? Uh, do you have any resolutions for the new year? I don't know. I don't really like the whole. New Year's resolution thing. I'm usually the kind of person who just I notice something, you try to change, and it. I do it right away instead of waiting. Waiting. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a problem with me too. Is I'm, um, but I wouldn't mind playing more. Yeah, or even doing some more audio work, just more stuff in music in general. Yeah, I, I think that'd be, I think that'd be really good. Yeah. yeah, I'm hoping in the new year here I'll lose this cold. That'll be a, that'll be a nice, uh, nice improvement. Um, yeah, and I'm um, with the rebuild of the website. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be going after a different set of clientele. So that'll be, that'll be an interesting change. No more rappers. Uh, well, no, I still probably take on any rappers that come by. Um, oh, we, uh, lowered the price a little bit of the studio. Um, to compete with, uh, the, the one that's been taking your usual work or. Yeah. Not, um, not so much to compete, just to, um, I think, I think in just in general, we'd overpriced, um, we'd gotten to a point where we were overpriced and the market seems to be dropping, um, price wise. Um, I've seen some others, some other studios drop their prices just a little bit. And, um, and I think, and I, th I think by lowering the prices a little bit, um, perceptively, uh, we'll be able to attract more clientele. Okay. Um, at least that's the, that's the hope anyway. Um, that being said, um, I'm not, I'm not going to be going after a lot of local stuff, uh, intentionally anyway, unless I really want to work with someone. Um, you know, like I find a client that I'm really excited about and find a way to help make their record happen. Right. And do that kind of stuff, but yeah, um, I'm actually going to be going after some movie, uh, film type of work. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to explore down that path. Um, and I'm also going to be exploring the mastering side of things. Um, mastering yeah. is a good way to, to go in my experience. Hmm. It's uh, usually better pay for at least less hours spent. Yeah, ish. Yeah. I wouldn't say for less work because I don't think it's necessarily less work. There's there's more to think about, but yeah, you're usually spending less time and getting paid better as a result. Right. Well, or that's been that my experience with mastering is I spend or I make more money per hour mastering than, mastering than I do mixing or even recording. Yeah. Not that I record very often. That's fair. Well, we'll, um, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah. yeah it's one of the reasons I want to deal with the, um, the issues downstairs. Not that any, not that any room is ever issue free, but you know, we get stuff taken care of as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you going after any work? Um, anything mm, specific? I think I'm just going to continue doing the whole if something presents itself that I'm interested in, I'll, I'll do it. Otherwise, you'll just kind of status quo. Yeah. I, cool. I need to be motivated to work on something, I think. You do? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, I guess that's it. We'll uh, see Follow you next our week. hosts on Twitter. 
at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.